Good morning, everyone. Can you please turn in your Bibles with me, please, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. When I was young, uh, I had the opportunity to visit my Uncle Paul and Aunt Sandra on Fort Knox in Kentucky, which was awesome. And so we went to go visit. It was really fantastic. This was, I don't know, eons ago? I don't know. A long time ago now. And uh, during our time there in Kentucky, we got the opportunity to go out onto one of the tank ranges. Now, this is odd because my brother and I, David, we were together. When I say we, it's David and I. And we were, uh, I don't know, seven years old? Not really. Twelve and ten, maybe, something like that. And so my Uncle Paul took us in one of his Jeeps with his driver, Humvee, or whatever it was, out to the tank range where the big actual tanks were firing. Now, having been in the military myself, I'm going to tell you, this breaks every protocol forever, everywhere. As a matter of fact, on our way out to the range, we actually practiced drills where Paul would yell out range patrol and we would throw ourselves on the ground of the truck as low as possible so that anyone driving by couldn't see us in the, in the vehicle. It's fantastic. When we got to the tank range, now, keep in mind, on an M1 Abrams fires, it's like $10,000 a shot, first of all. It's very expensive. It's a lot going on. And they rock back, what, three feet? Something? They rock back. It's violent. They're shooting tanks. This is not like, oh, this is not little toy tanks. This is, they're shooting tanks on the range. And so we got, we got to the range, and it's very loud, and it was awesome. Everything about it was awesome. And we arrived at the range, and people came running over like, Hey, sir, what are you doing here? To Paul. And then saw us in the back. like, whoa, what are they doing here? And so a medic came running over, panicking with earplugs. Like, you got to put these in. So we put in the earplugs, and, and uh, we went up in the tower where they were controlled, like, like an airport tower almost, where you get to control the firing. So we're up there. Listen, it was awesome. It was awesome. I remember distinctly, there were like 10 tanks lined up. And I remember... Tank one, fire. And the guy's up there telling him. He's like, tank one, fire. Boom, it shoots. Tank two, fire. Boom, it shoots. Tank three, fire. Nothing happens. And you hear malfunction. He goes, 50 cal. And you see the guy pop up. And the machine gun goes. And I was like, I'm in. Where do I sign up? (laughs) Done. I will sign up today. 12 years old. I was the youngest enlistee ever. You know, it wasn't, uh, it was awesome. I'll be straight up. It was awesome. It wasn't just the awesome stuff. I, uh. I owe a debt of gratitude to my Uncle Paul and Aunt Sandra for watching the character and the sacrifice and the duty and the difficulty of putting other people first. And those are the things. I mean, the tanks were a bonus, you know. And I ended up as an MP, and we didn't get cool tanks, but (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) We got other cool things. Um, But it was those qualities. It was the sense of duty. It was the sense of honor. It was the sense of doing something that really, really was important and dangerous and big. That's what got me about military service and why I signed up, because I saw my uncle living it, and I saw Sandra living it, and I saw the kids born into it, and I saw the, you know, I didn't know at the time the challenge of what it would be like to raise a family and that stuff and figure it out, and so it's, it's a big deal, and it meant a lot to me, and it's, it's the, really the reason why I signed up. And so I want to say welcome today. We love you. We're blessed you're here. Love you guys. Diane family, we're blessed you're here. You guys are have wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. 
and Josh and Emily. And we are so blessed to have you. Love you. Today is Sullivan's first birthday, by the way. His actual birthday is today. How awesome is that? What a cutie. Elena is catching up in clothes. She's almost there. She's in nine-month clothes. She's trying to get there. Oh, God help us. <laughs> My little girl is a chunk, and I love it. Let's, <laughs> let's read James chapter 4 together. Here's what it says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Do you have the other one? Did I send you the wrong one? Oh, really? Yeah, that's last week's. Hold on one second. Here we can do it again. It was really, I thought it was really good. I mean, uh, check one more time if you don't mind, Roy, because I think it, I think it, it's all right. All right, let's read. Uh, James chapter four. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You're, you desire what you do not have, so you murder. You covet what you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose... It is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Praise the Lord for his word. It kind of ends on sort of a rough note there, doesn't it? Now, we hear all the time, God is love. God is the God of joy and peace. And this is kind of, it's a little rough, isn't it? As we, uh, as we look at the word. Why do you think James is talking about this stuff? Uh, one thing that you need to know about me sometimes when I teach, don't be under compulsion. I actually ask real questions. So don't be nervous. You don't have to answer. But if my thing works, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Roy, you're, fa you're fantastic. You do such a great job. I'll tell you what. The other day I had somebody come in and ask me if I could turn on that computer, and I was like, let me make a call. <laughs> Roy, you're the best. Why does, why does this end kind of weird? Well, I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but here's the key to this passage. Our God is the God of grace, and we're going to find out as we look at this that he has clothed us and equipped us to be his people as we receive Christ and we, and we rest in him, that he would draw near from, to us as we draw near to him. And it's different than just trying hard. It's, it's greater. It's deeper. There's a bigger meaning here. And so as we look together at the word of God, we're going to learn what the Lord has done to make us his own. As we do that, we're going to start in a weird place because James tells us, don't you know that to be friends with the world is enmity toward God? Does anybody know what that enmity word means? We don't use that a lot anymore. To be in conflict with, to be enemies. Yeah, but you don't walk around saying like, I have enmity with that. We don't really say that anymore. But that's what it means. It means to have conflict with, to be set against, to have 
as an enemy. So to be friends with the world, and the world meaning things that are not godly in his way of doing things, is to be enemies or in enmity in conflict with God. And James is writing to people who already know God, saying, don't you know that if you're friends with the world, you're taking yourself out of your position where you're already in Christ and you're putting yourself at odds with God. Don't do that. That's why it gets potent at the end of this little passage. So as we look at that, we're going to start at what's going on in the world. I like to know what's up with the world. I like music. I hope you like music. I think God likes music because it's all over the Bible. And so I really enjoy music and I like to watch where music is because it's a great indicator of our, our culture and it's fun. Good? Okay. Praise the Lord. Um, I was looking at the Billboard Hot 100. Woohoo. Since 1958, they've been keeping track of all of the uh, best songs, the most popular songs, and, and sales of songs to figure out what are the best songs, if you will. So, can you guess the number one song right now for October 2019? Close. Number five, Billie Eilish. What is it? <laughs> Baby Shark. He says, Randy says, Baby Shark. Maybe today is the baby dedication. Yeah, that's a great one. It is Lizzo, Truth Hurts. Hey, Roy, can you play this song for us? It's, it's going to be all right, guys. It's going to be all right. This is the clean version. It's not on Joy FM, that one, Karen. I haven't heard that one on Joy FM. <laughs> That's the number one song. Um, has anybody heard it before? Okay, it's the number one song. It's Yeah, this is the number one song in the Billboard Hot 100 for October. Okay, here's the lyrics, some of the lyrics. Uh, we already kind of heard them in there. We had the clean version. What's this song about? Anybody know? Breaking up. Independence is a really nice way of putting it. Yeah, here's a guy. The guy's holding her back. He could have, uh, she could have helped him with his career, getting him ahead, non-committal. That's nice. Um, but he's holding her back because he's just not doing enough, and so he's not exciting enough. So he's, she's done with him. 
and she's going to find somebody else who's Minnesota Vikings. That's her first problem. You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have no dog in that fight because we have no football team anymore. So, okay, praise the Lord. Anyway, that's the song. Um, here's why I'm bringing that up. It's the, it's the number one song. It's out there everywhere. Even if you've never heard it, our culture is listening to it. So much so that it's the most requested, most money-gathering song right now in the United States. That's interesting, isn't it? What do you think are the other top 100 songs across the decades? For the month of October, 2009, Black Eyed Peas, I Got a Feeling. I got a feeling. Okay, I'll stop. 1999, Mariah Carey's Heartbreaker. Some of you are like, that's my jam. 1989, Millie Vanilli, Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You. Some of you are like, that was my jam, but I'm going to pretend it wasn't. 1979, The Knack with My Sharona. My, my, my Sharona. And 1969, The Archies with Sugar Sugar. Now we're getting everybody's like, oh, oh, those ones. I see what it's about. I got gotcha. you. Okay, we're going to. Does anybody remember 2009 Black Eyed Peas, I Got a Feeling? Yeah, every, listen, everybody's heard it at a wedding anytime since 2009 until now. Because it was the Billboard top number one song for like 14 weeks. And since 2009, it's been in pretty much every wedding everywhere. Let's be honest, right? Here are some of the lyrics. Tonight's the night, yeah. Going to live it up. Got my money. Going to spend it up. Go out and smash it. Like, oh my God. Jump off that sofa. Let's get get off. Don't mock me. Okay, I'm trying here. <laughs> Fill up my cup, mazel tov. Look at her dancing. Move it, move it, take it off. Let's paint the town. We'll shut it down. Let's burn the roof. And then we'll go do it again. And then we'll do it and do it. You know. Yeah. Um, I DJ'd a lot of weddings, helping pay for school bills. And a lot of people came into their wedding receptions with this song because it's Tonight's going to be a good night. Everybody's excited. It's fun. What is this song about? <laughs> Abe's embarrassed. <laughs> celebrating. Is it good celebrating? What is it celebrating? Listen, this is a fun song. I like this song. Everybody's heard this song before, right? It's celebrating getting off the couch and, and more, right? And uh, the whole point of this is basically... Honestly, at the end of the day, using people. I'm going to get out there. We're going to have fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to be crazy. Look at her dance and take off those clothes. Right? There's a way this song is going. Correct? Everybody with me? Okay. Going back a decade, we have Mariah Carey with Heartbreaker. Boy, if I do the things you want me to do the way I used to do, would you love me, baby? Hold me. Feeling now. Go and break my heart. Heartbreaker, you got the best of me. But I just keep coming on back incessantly. Oh, why did you have to run your game on me? I should be known right. I should have known right from the start. You'd go and break my heart, heartbreaker. That's Mariah Carey's number one song. What's this song about? Mm -hmm. And specifically in the song, she talks about he's with other girls. You know, this guy. She can't stay away from him. Uh, kind of common themes a little bit with our first song, honestly. Right? Um, isn't it interesting that you don't hear a lot of great, like, patriotic songs that hit number one on the top 100? 
You don't hear like the Thanksgiving anthem for Thanksgiving Day in the month of November. Not really there. Um, you don't hear a lot of songs in the top 100. Just think about popular songs that you've heard um, talking about things like fidelity or duty or honor or sacrifice. I mean, there are some, there are, don't get me wrong, there are some out there and some that have hit number one. Not often though, right? In fact, our culture seems to be celebrating something different or maybe not celebrating so much as it's on their minds. And the things that are on their minds look a lot like heartbreak. They look a lot like you're holding me back so I'm going to find somebody new. That's what they look like. Can we play our, our next song? Please, Roy. You're welcome, everybody. after 24 seconds of hearing that song, it is incessantly stuck in your head. So you're going to wake up to it tomorrow. I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. What is that song about? Give it up. It's about giving it up. Yeah, stuck on the dirty mind, right? 
Um, did you know that before? <laughs> Listen, that's an iconic song. Also, did you notice the drummer was wearing like a pirate shirt? Yeah. I could probably pull that off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a, it's a great song in the sense of American music history. It's been all over the place. You've heard it a million times. If it's on one of your playlists right now, you're not sinning. It's a song. It's just a song. But the message of the song is strong, isn't it? And the message of the song is give it up. It's just a matter of time. I'm stuck on this dirty mind. And that's what we're singing along to. What do all these songs have in common? Here's Millie Vanilli, by the way. They were deception artists. <laughs> Super entertaining, though, back in the time. They made a lot of money and then lost it all. Breakup pain, lust, quarrel, using other people, deception. Just a lot of these songs have that in there. And a lot of these songs touch a lot of people and their wallets because they buy them, they request them, they want to listen to them. Why? Why would a song about asking a younger girl than those guys to give it up, why would that hit number one in our country? Why is that the one everybody wants to play? It's super catchy. It's super fun. The, it's, they're good musicians. They have really fancy instruments that, that would be awesome to play. But the actual message of the song, not great. Here's the problem. The world is steeped in it. That's, that's all we know is this stuff. All we know is how to use other people. All we know is breakup. All we know is pain. All we know is lust, quarreling, deception. Those are so common. And everywhere we turn, those things are there. So to hear a song about it, it resonates with what we feel and see and know. And people are frustrated because they're waiting for Sharona, whoever that is, to make a move or whatever. That, and so this resonates with them. That's a problem. That's a problem. It's a problem because we can't be friends with the world. Music, media, entertainment is not sin to watch. Please hear me correctly. If you pull out of the parking lot, listen to my Sharona, I'm going to go, that's a cool song. Also, be careful of your thoughts. Because music is just music. Movies are just movies. Now, some music and some movies are designed to touch at things that are not good, right? So if you go home and watch pornography, that's not a good medium. Does that make sense? Having said that, uh, just a movie, a regular movie, is going to have all kind of themes and all kind of thoughts. And we have to be wise about what's in there and what we dwell on, what we think about. Does that make sense? Have you ever noticed that you can listen to certain songs or certain albums that will give you a response? So when I, when I was in Iraq, uh, we used to leave the base every day to Jimi Hendrix Voodoo Child. Every day. We had a little boombox. We had the mission mix back in the days of CDs. We stuck that in the thing, we turned it on, and every day we'd load the weapons to that song and we'd drive off the base. And probably, I don't know, a couple months ago, I'm driving down the road and I had Amazon, one of the stations going on my phone or whatever in my car, and here comes Jimi Hendrix, Voodoo Child. And all of a sudden I look down, I'm going like 104. Because that song means aggression, it means angry, it means load up, it means we're going out. That's what that song means. And when I hear it, I feel that way. Right? And I also feel a little alone. I feel a little scared. I feel funny. My heart beats differently when I hear that song because I conditioned a response to it. And we do that too, don't we? 
you know, the old cliche of somebody sitting in their bedroom listening to the breakup song. And then you hear that, right? I just talked to somebody yesterday who's going to their 20th high school reunion. This is the class before me. My 20th is next year. And we were joking about it because uh, he's gonna, they're going to go and they're going to some venue downtown. And I said, oh, it's not in the, in the old gymnasium, you know, because that's where all the dances and everything were. And in my mind, I could hear that Lady in Red song. Because every school dance forever, from 19-whatever until pretty recent, Lady in Red, that's the song, right? And so we all have this emotional attachment to the song in some way where we remember things. And the message speaks to us. It speaks to us. And the world tells you, you can be friends with benefits. We can be friends. We'll give you the benefits of remembering those emotions, of touching back to those things, of not forgetting of coming back to some of those, remember when the hurt hurt so bad, but it made you feel alive and it was real? And it's fake. That's a lie, by the way. That's a total lie. It could also make you remember, oh, remember when you dated that girl or that guy, and then you made the terrible mistake you made of marrying another person? Remember how this song made you feel with that person? It's a lie. But the emotional benefits are there, and they're quick, aren't they? And we're talking about, ready for this, music. We're just talking about music. We're not even talking about actually going and doing terrible things or whatever, because we're having a moral discussion. We're just talking about music. That's wild. So here's James, and James says that God yearns jealously for you, for the spirit that he has put in you. James tells us that we have a God who is set on humility. Humble yourselves, therefore. And draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. James tells us that we need to cleanse our hands. Why would he say all that stuff? Because James knows that there are forces at work, even within music, that touch into us, that pull us away from the things of God, and that allow our minds to set on deception instead of the truth of his word, knowing what God has really said. And all those themes of breakup, of hurt, of mistrust, of deception, of using people, they're too easily touched. And once you go down those roads, man, things become dirty, don't they? Your life gets sludgy. It's like you're not moving right anymore. Why is that? Because you can't be friends with the world anymore. Why can't you be friends with the world? Because God's solution is the antithesis to all those things. God's solution was something called covenant. And covenant is when God brought us into basically a marriage relationship with himself. That's what God has done for us. He pulled us into himself. He called us. He purchased us. How did he do that? The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ himself became the object of the wrath of sin. So all of that brokenness, all of that mistrust, all of the using other people, all of the junk trends that we are all used to and accustomed to, Christ took the punishment for all that stuff upon himself. And he died on the cross for us that his blood would be shed because the Bible tells us that all of those things have a punishment. If you lie and you use somebody, if you do all those things, there's a punishment attached to them, and that punishment is death. Because God in his perfection made us that we would be his image bearers. We would look like him. He had a standard for us. He set us up to be like he is. And he said, be perfect as I'm perfect. And the reality is none of us could keep it. So much so that our whole culture falls headlong into this lie of the destruction that's out there. And you can see it in any movie. You can see it in any song. You can see it as you walk down the street. You can see it everywhere. 
and you see it in yourself. But God sent his son Jesus, who would die for us on the cross, that his blood would wash over us to cleanse us, like that gunk inside of us would just break up. Have you ever seen Dawn dish soap fall into an oily thing of water? It just disperses it, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing? That's what it's like in God. Is his blood was shed for us to disperse all of that sin on us and take it away from us. And our proclivity is to try to reach out for that grease again and say, I want to feel that emotion again. I want to remember that. I remember this, this was my jam when I used to do stuff I shouldn't do. And we remember those times and feel good. And all of a sudden, here's the world saying, hey, buddy, come be friends with me. Let's remember. Let's reminisce together. And I'm telling you, the reason that's wrong is because you have been called to something greater. Jesus Christ took all the punishment, not just to disperse the sin away. He took the punishment that we would become his own. He purchased us by his blood. Not only did he purchase us, it's like he put a ring on our finger. And he said, you will be my bride, and I will be your husband, and you belong to me. The Bible tells us that every person who believes in Jesus, who bows their knee, who confesses their sin becomes a new creation in Christ. It means you have a new namesake on you. You become part of a new family. You suddenly are different than you used to be because God himself has pulled you out of that muck and put his own righteousness on you and said, you're mine. And now you're different. So that's why we can't be friends with the world is because we can't dive back into an identity that we used to have. We can't go reminisce with something that used to be part of our existence that used to be part of who we were, that used to be part of what we were when we were against him. And then come back and say, oh, God, I love you. Is what have you been dabbling in? It's like, it's, it's, that's why James calls it an adultery. You adulterous people. Don't go back to that and then come to God. Here's the great truth, though. The great truth is we all fail. We all fail all the time. Isn't it funny how a song on the radio can suddenly change my thinking that I would start driving 104 miles down the road because it's conditioned a response in me. Isn't that funny? But isn't it amazing that by God's grace, he has so lovingly and carefully called out to me with himself that he pulls us back to himself all the time so that when something comes into our minds and we start to become friends with the world again, when we start to to wander in our identity or think that all the power of God to cleanse us from sin wasn't enough, God himself comes and grabs us back up and pulls us to himself. Because here's the truth, ready? Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus rose again and defeated sin. Jesus did all the work that brings us into relationship with himself. It's almost like, you know, the story of Rapunzel where she lets down her golden hair and the prince climbs up. What does Rapunzel do? Nothing. The prince comes, he fights the dragon, he climbs up her hair. That's so weird, isn't it? And he saves her and all this stuff, and he brings her out of the tower. You know, we were stuck in death. We were stuck in the grave. We were apart from God. And Jesus himself paid all the penalty for sin, gave himself up that we might know him, and then put on us a new identity that we would belong to him. The great truth of our time is this, that if we draw near to God, if we cleanse our hearts in Christ Jesus by receiving what he's done, by saying, Lord, I am not enough, but you are. 
Lord, my work is not enough. My thoughts are not good enough. My life is not good enough. My everything is not good enough. But you, oh God, you have secured for me life in yourself. If we receive him like that, we draw near to him. And guess what? He draws near to us. He draws near to us. Isn't that a beautiful story of who God is? I remember one time I was, I was in Iraq, and uh, the closest I ever got to be actually being in a tank, I never got to actually sit in a tank, partly because I'm giant and I don't fit in them. Um, but I, I closest I ever got, I was doing a mission in one of the towns, and it was going really bad. And this was right at the beginning of the surge, if you remember that in the news, the surge in 2006. And so one of the units from Alaska was a striker unit, and they had these big tank-looking things. And so I got to go into one of those, and I was talking to some of the leadership, and we were doing stuff, and we were driving around this town, and we were clearing buildings, meaning we were going into buildings looking for contraband or whatever. And so on this particular occasion, I jumped out of there, and I came into this building, and we're looking around, and it was fine, and there was an upstairs room that was locked, and it was really suspicious. And there was a terrible smell emitting from everywhere. So those were, those were weird. So we broke the lock and went through this door, and that was its own story, and uh, came up, and we found ourselves on the rooftop of, one of, the, of this house in a residential area. So imagine a, like, Baldwin kind of town. Pretty nice. Everybody's doing pretty good. It's not a, like a slummy place. It's not mansions, but nice houses. And they're all really close together, and the roofs are flat because in the Middle East, that's what they do. And so I'm up on top of this roof, and there was a gap between one house and the next house, and it was down about 10 feet. And the neighbors had decided the next house was vacant, and so they dumped all their trash on their neighbor's roof because it was higher. So the horrible smell was they had turned their neighbor's house into a landfill. They were dumping all the trash. And since they were inside the house most of the time, they couldn't smell it, and they kind of just got used to it because it was pungent. And so, uh, so this is not good, and there's trash everywhere, and it's just a mess, but i got to go through this house, and there's no way to get in. Uh, because the front has been barricaded weird, and that's suspicious in itself. And so I said, all right. So I told one of my squad leaders, I said, okay, I'm going to jump to that next house. And he said, all right, I got you. And so I, I jumped, and I fell, and boom, hit the thing, and searched all around. house was pretty much empty, praise God. Then on the way back, there's a little gap between the houses. And I said, all right, I'm gonna, we got to go back to the other house, which is like way up there, to get up there. Now, here's the problem. I was wearing a vest bulletproof vest with ammunition and stuff. And so I stuck out to like here, probably like I do now, so like here. <laughs> and I had, I had way too much stuff. I had way too much stuff. I had flares and grenades and medical stuff and ammo and all these things, right? And uh, my gear weighed about 80 pounds just by, just by itself. And so I, I said to my guy, I said, all right, we're going to get on to the next house. I'll jump up there and I'll get up and then I'll help pull you up. And he's like, all right, that sounds great. And so I jumped up there, and I got going, and my ammo got hooked, like, on the top of the roof. And so I'm teetering between the two houses, and I'm just up there. And I wasn't quite falling, thank God, but I wasn't quite going, and I couldn't get myself over the edge to do anything. And the guy under me is like, are you okay? And I'm like, Nope. He's like, you're kind of Humpty Dumpty up there, aren't you? I said, yep. Now, if I fall, I'm going to die by because I'm going to fall off a building. So this is not good. But he's close enough that he can kind of reach me. And so he goes, uh, he goes do you need some help? I said, yeah, I probably, probably could use some help. And he goes, uh, you're stuck on your stuff, huh? 
I said, yep. He goes, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump under you, and I'm going to push you up. How's that sound? I said, anything would be great. <laughs> you know, he goes, okay. He goes, all right, can you feel my hands? And he kind of got my feet with his hands. He goes, I'm about to jump. And he had another guy holding him. And so he jumped and pushed me, and I cleared the edge, and I fell like four feet into the next balcony. Just boom, hit the ground. It hurt a lot. It hurt a lot. But I was alive. And he goes, you good over there? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm as good as I'm going to be. He goes, you're hurt, aren't you? I said, oh, I'm pretty much. He goes, okay, that's cool. Uh, I'll be right over. So I helped him over, and we were good. As I think about that story, there's no music playing. There's no soundtrack to life. There's no big thing. Me and a couple guys on a roof where I felt like I almost died. Nobody knows about it but you guys and those few. You don't tell that story to anybody. It's not very exciting. Fell on a roof. I hurt myself. Came back to the base. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Hurt like a big idiot because I got stuck on the roof. You know, it's a dumb story. But the reality is this. I could never have made it. I could never have made it over. Without somebody to lift me up, I would never have made it over that roof. And I had somebody else who was willing to stand in the gap between that house and this house and push me up so that I wouldn't fall. The real reality of life is this. Jesus Christ stood in the gap for us. And not just stood in the gap. You understood he took the punishment. He took the whole thing for us that we would know righteousness with God, that we would be drawn to him. He put a ring on your finger to say, you are mine and you belong to me. He gave you himself. He gave you his title. He gave you his relationship. He gave you his righteousness that you could stand in Christ Jesus and know peace now. And the reality is we could never have made it over that lip alone. We could never have done it. And so the truth of what James is telling us is this receive Jesus Christ, that he himself took the punishment for us, that he is our righteousness, that he did already draw near to us, that he is pulling us to himself. And if you submit your heart to him and you submit your life to him, you will feel his embrace even holding you more so that you won't fall between those buildings to your death. You won't fall down and know nothing, but instead he has bridged the gap for us because Christ Jesus he is our life. That's why we can't be friends with the world anymore. It doesn't mean you can't listen to music. It doesn't mean you can't go see the new Joker movie. I'm going to watch it too. Let's talk about it. It doesn't mean those things. But it means if you let your mind settle into an old identity, if, it, if you let your mind come back to these emotions and say, I want to grab onto those again, if you come to those to feel something more than you come to him to know his embrace, then don't be double-minded anymore. Don't expect anything from God if we're going to run away from him. Instead, run to him and say, Lord, cleanse me, forgive me, wash me. Let me know your embrace again. And it doesn't mean you listen to Joy FM all the time. You can listen to other music. But it means everything you listen to goes through a filter of the righteousness of God. And some things you say, I can't listen to that. I'm not going to let my mind go there. And you say, no, nope. Lord, I remember I remember, I'm going to stay faithful to you. In your attitude, in your walk, in who you are, and all of a sudden, everything changes. What does it start with? It starts with just avoiding some things. Doesn't it? 
Some of us are not experiencing the joy and peace and grace of God because we've become friends with the world. And every time we want to find joy and peace, we go to those things as a substitute. Let it go. Submit yourself to Jesus. Come back to him. and Find your grace again in your husband, who is Jesus Christ, who has called us to himself, who died for us, and who rose again and lives forevermore and is our king. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you don't just use us. Lord, you're not fleeting. Lord, you came down to earth and you experienced all of the brokenness that's here, yet without sin. And so, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for rescuing, rescuing us. Thank you, Lord, for being so dutiful to the plan, God, that you would be our rescuer. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you for bridging the gap for us. Thank you, Lord, that you exemplify the true obedience to the law and what real righteousness and real peace looks like. Father, forgive us for times that we've let other things from the world influence us and let our emotions and our attitudes go out of control thinking about other things. Lord, we come back to you. We say, Jesus, you, O oh God, are our source. Fill our minds and hearts, Lord, that we would be faithful to you. Lord, we come to you with sorrow to say, Lord, forgive us. Help us, God, to walk blameless before you because we want to know you. We want to serve you. You are the great law keeper, and you are our king forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be blessed because Jesus has bridged the gap for you. Go in peace. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.